Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. And welcome to another episode of Glass Half Full, a podcast and a safe platform where we talk with a variety of teachers, entrepreneurs, spiritualists, uplifters, givers, shakers, and serenaders. Everyone has a lesson to learn and a lesson to share. Let's use our life experiences to enrich someone's heart, mind, spirit, and soul. Through sharing our experiences, we can be a learning inspiration for one another. I'm your host, Chris Levins. Let's welcome today's guest. Today's guest is Sean Tyler Foley. Sean Tyler Foley is an accomplished film and stage performer and has been acting in film and television since he was six years old after his father passed away suddenly in a motor vehicle accident. He has appeared in productions including Freddy vs. Jason, Door to Door, Carrie, and the musical Ragtime. Tyler is passionate about helping others confidently take the stage and impact an audience with their stories. He is currently the managing director of Total Buy-In and author of the number one best-selling book, The Power to Speak Naked. Let's welcome Tyler. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Chris. I, I appreciate the warm introduction. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for so taking some time to be a guest here on Glass Half Full. We really appreciate it. Okay, we're going to jump right on in if that's okay. Mm-hmm. I like to ask all of my guests, I feel that our lives are in spiritual design. Can you share your life layout or blueprint with everyone? How you grew up, where, your family lifestyle? Yeah. So it's funny because when I look back on my life, it's, it, you know, it seems a very straight road, like, like each waypoint is direct, like mm-hmm. everything needed to happen. But if I was to have projected that forward from, you know, three, four years old, it would seem winding and circuitous. So as your introduction pointed out, I've been on stage acting since I was six years old. Uh, my father passed away in a single vehicle motor accident um, very early on in my life. Um, but despite that, I mean, I, I was raised obviously then by a single mother. And, but I never lacked for anything. I grew up middle class, um, had never lacked or wanted for anything. Uh, got to go to a fine arts high school, um, graduated from that, uh, continued on in film and TV for most of my twenties, retired from that to go back to school, uh, got an engineering discipline, worked uh, for myself, I started my own company after high, after I graduated university and, uh, really enjoyed working on my own, working for myself, uh, having my own business. Unfortunately, that business collapsed within three years as apparently a very large majority of new enterprises do. I was a statistical casualty (laughs) and, uh, and that that didn't pan out very well, but, uh, I managed to, as I always do pivot, find new direction, new purpose. Um, I ended up getting a job as a safety professional and, uh, really, really 
backwards worked my way in there and, and interestingly enough found myself excelling in it because of the work that I had done in film and television, particularly the uh, small amount of time that I spent doing stunts uh, wow, nice. really armed me to be a successful safety professional. And then a full circle. Uh, as I grew within the safety profession, I became more known as a keynote presenter and keynote speaker than I was um, uh, an actual consultant mm -hmm. and, and then a, a trainer as well. And what I ended up training a lot of had nothing to do with safety and everything to do with public speaking and communication and connecting with people. And all of that was formulated from six years old, being on stage, learning stagecraft. Wow. And so I, again, I look back at my life and go, of course, this is where I was meant to be. Mm -hmm. And there is some definite grace, some divinity, as you said, a blueprint mm -hmm. that mapped that out, uh, that at six years old, I would have never understood or never seen. But looking back now, you know, coming up four decades later, I can vividly see how every piece was integral into me getting to where I am today. Yes, that's powerful. That's powerful. Nice. So you do so many things. You're involved with lots of things currently. Um, but I want to touch base about your book, The Power to Speak Naked. How did this mm -hmm. become, how did this masterpiece come about? <laughs> this masterpiece. Yes, this, uh, <laughs> this large tome of a hundred some odd pages. It, um, it really came about from people asking me how I do what I do. And usually what they're, what that question, the undertone of that is how is it that I can get up on stage and speak as confidently as I can be as engaging as I am, uh, just to be as comfortable as I am on stage. Cause for most people, the stage is the most terrifying place that they could be. <laughs> and they don't understand how you can be comfortable on the stage. True. And for me, uh, I, I grew up there. It is my place of comfort. It is where I go to, to feel, um, most like myself. And it's because I started so young that I didn't know that I had to be afraid of the stage. Nice. And I think that is a, a real key point for me is that fear is the learned behavior. Yes, it is. And, you know, anybody who's had a small child, particularly an infant, and as they grow into a toddler, um, children have no fear. They just, they, they, everything is new to them. They don't understand consequence. And it's only through patterning our behaviors when we react uh, as caregivers and adults towards a child that they start to learn this is a thing I should be cautious of. Even if they've never actually experienced the consequence, they understand this person has said no. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be very careful of what we're projecting to our kids because a lot of people, oh, it's, it's scary being on stage. Well, why? Why is it scary? For me, it's the most freeing, most beautiful place that I could be. And so I wanted to express that. I wanted people to learn my side because I, I love the stage. And so I'm not afraid to be on stage. That's not to say that I haven't experienced stage fright. Mm -hmm. 
I have very clear, distinct moments in my life where I have had stage fright, where I have experienced all of those feelings that uh, the the dry mouth, the the hot and cold <laughs> all at the same time, and and losing what you were going to say, and being terrified of how people are are going to perceive me like all of those things are, are things that I've experienced, but they're few and far between because mm-hmm. I don't allow myself to sit in what is really uh, judgment. Mm. Uh, and uh, because stage for me is such a rewarding place to be, I find it fun. And so the book came about because everybody would ask, well, how, how? And I would go, I don't know. I just show up and do this thing. And it's really fun. <laughs> so I had to start to reverse engineer my own process. Like, why am I comfortable? What makes it comfortable? What can I do to show somebody else how easy and simple it is? Because it really is. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening is I've done so many training sessions on this. And as an actor, I mean, you know, I, I, I will never turn video off. I will, I have thousands of hours of video of me doing training sessions and, and on stage and plays and TV and film and all of that. Like I've just got thousands of hours of footage of me. Nice. So we took the footage of the training sessions mm-hmm. and transcribed the audio from those training sessions and then compiled them into the book so that it became a really, really easy to read manuscript. Nice. Because it's how I, I literally, when you read the book, you're reading my voice because I spoke it. I didn't write it. I spoke the book. And, and that made a, the process really, really easy. And B, it makes reading the book real easy because it's like, I'm talking to you because I am talking to you. (laughs) Nice. And it's short. It's 160 pages, so it's not a long read. Yeah, no, and big text, too. <laughs> like, we cheated with this book. <laughs> uh, it, and it's, I think, in the in the print version, so the uh, digital version is about 160 pages, and in the, the print version, if you were to go to an actual bookstore, it's like 134. Oh, okay. And okay. It, really, really, really easy to, to, to pick through and... Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, every once in a while, I go back and reread it. Oh, that's cool. Um, mostly because we're writing a, a second version. Uh, I want to do a revised version, particularly because in this current one, we, I don't really talk a lot about um, video. Okay. Most of it is stagecraft. Like, how do you do the things in a, to a live audience that's actually physically in front of you and and now there's a lot more virtual component, and I'm actually considerably better on camera than I am on stage. And I'm great on stage, but camera <laughs> is really where I come alive. And so there's a lot more that I can impart. And, and I've ended up doing a whole bunch more training in the last 18 months on on camera and film craft versus stage craft and how to really be comfortable in front of a camera, how to light it so that you look good. Now, that's like important. I, I look pro when I show up on film mm-hmm. always because I'm vain <laughs> and because I know how because after 35 wrong years with that. Of film and television, doesn't want to look good right yeah right well that's exactly it you know like even down to making sure that my hair is styled properly before I pop on to any uh zoom meeting is is just how I go I'm nice. always I'm always dressed as though I'm on stage but 
to prevent, to be able to offer some of that, um, into the book and, and really go above and beyond what we've already done. I mean, it's all, it, it already hit number one bestseller. So yes, congratulations. There's no reason why I can't offer more information. I feel it's kind of, I'm duty bound now to the, to the small following that I've started to put together to make sure that they have the most current and up-to-date information from the the big old noggin of Tyler. Hey, that's awesome. That is awesome. Congratulations, definitely, for being number one bestseller. Did you ever think that you you would be writing books? Never. No. Well, actually, you know what? I shouldn't say that. I've been writing most of my life. The the first story that I ever had published was in an anthology that my school division put together. Mm -hmm. So, uh, each school within the school division would have top students submit works for each grade. So you had, you know, grades one through 12, uh, submitting one or two works each from each school. Mm-hmm. And then they compile them into this anthology each year. And the people who were selected used to get to go. And it was like a, a weekend workshop where you'd get to, meet professional writers and, and authors and, and stuff like that. And oh, nice. I, I remember having at least three or four different, um, works published in that. Okay. And so you were published before now. Yeah. So, and, and it's funny <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't really think about that until after the power to speak naked came out. And I was talking about how rewarding it was to be a published author. And it was actually my mom that pointed it out to me. She's like, Tyler, you've been a published author since you were eight. <laughs> and I went, what? And she pulled out the anthology. And she's like, remember? Oh, and I was like, oh, you're so right. I forgot about that. And so I've I've always, but I mean, again, I've always been in the arts. Like, I, like for me, it's it's as natural as breathing. Like I've been performing my entire life. And writing my own plays and doing my own things like that. So the the storytelling portion has always been something that I've done. Mm-hmm. And it, it just it's just one more extension. But I never, never in my life thought that I would have a book that you could walk into a Barnes and Noble and pick up off the shelf and scan the UPC code on the back yes. and pay for it at a counter. Like that. Now. That was never a thing that I, I it just wasn't on my radar. It wasn't a, it, you know, it's not that I would ever limit myself that way. Mm-hmm. I just, I just really genuinely just didn't think about it until it happened. Oh, that makes it even more awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's no limits, no, no, no area that can't be touched. Right. So, wow, that's great. That's great. So asking well, about I, talking about the book, um, can you give us some tips on how we can get over stage fright? Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, thank you for saying stage fright, because stage fright is a real thing. Fear of public speaking is a myth. There, we, <laughs> you know, they have all these statistics, right? And like, I think it's the the one that gets used the most 77% of north americans have some form of anxiety around public speaking mm-hmm. and although i understand where that number comes from and the studies that show it and i mean I, it's even used in the press material i think for the book like my publisher um 
really likes to tout that number. I actually had them take it off of the back. Uh, the We put some statistics on the back about mm-hmm. the study for how it impairs your wages and uh, reduces your chance of getting a promotion because public speaking is a leadership skill. Mm-hmm. But I'd ask them to take off this 77% uh, of public of North Americans have this anxiety over public speaking because we don't. Mm-hmm. If we actually feared public speaking, so this is the first step, right? Okay. I want you to demystify this this misconception that we're afraid of public speaking. Okay, here, break it down for us. If you were genuinely afraid of public speaking, if mm-hmm. 77% of the world was afraid of public speaking, commerce as we know it would collapse. <laughs> because we'd never be able to go to a bank. We'd never be able to go to a restaurant. Like if, if you have at any point in your life gone into a restaurant and ordered food, mm-hmm. guess what? You spoke in public. There it is. Very likely to a stranger because you probably didn't know your wait staff. Mm-hmm. And you asked for something that you wanted and you got it. So in doing all of those things, nice. you are completely and totally de- bunking this fear of public speaking because it usually comes down to, oh, I can't speak in public. Why? Oh, I can't talk in front of strangers. Okay, why? Well, I'm afraid to ask for what I want. Well, have you gone to a restaurant because you did all those things? Yeah, it's true. So so let's call it what it is and it's what you refer to it as stage fright. Stage fright is real. Yes, it is. Stage fright is a, an auto response probably triggered in the hippocampus uh, and, you know, a fight or flight response to a stimulus that our mammalian brain feels we're being attacked. Mm. Why do we feel that we're being attacked, though, when we're standing up on stage? And and that's the real key is that the majority of people who have this anxiety around public speaking are afraid of not speaking in public, but the fear of public judgment. We're afraid that the words that we're going to say in public are going to be misconstrued, misunderstood, mm-hmm. uh, or that somehow, you know, we're playing that imposter syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody else has done it better. Somebody else has done it quicker. Somebody else has done it bigger. Uh, somebody else has made more money. Somebody else has lost more weight, <laughs> whatever it is, right? They, mm-hmm. Someone else is better than who I am doing this. And who am I to be speaking this? Who's going to listen? My story doesn't matter. My story isn't interesting. All of these stories Mm -hmm. that we tell ourselves in our head before we ever open our mouth, we are really where the judgment is coming from, not the audience. It's Mm self-sabotage. And so the the first secret to really overcoming stage fright is recognizing that uh, you're not afraid of public speaking, you're afraid of public judgment. Yes. And then the next secret to that is understanding that there's no need to be afraid of public judgment Because if you are telling your story or you're sharing your point of view, no one else knows it better than you. So you are the authority of that messaging. Even if somebody else has done it better, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Can Ben Johnson talk about being an Olympic athlete, even though, you know, Usain Bolt has shattered every record that Ben Johnson ever had and Ben Johnson got caught doing steroids? You know, (laughs) does Ben Johnson still have a story to tell? Absolutely. Of course he does. Yes. Does it matter that you who's that you saying Bolt has has done it better? Right. Can 
can Tiger Woods still have a conversation with Jack Nicholson? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Or Jack Nicholas, right? Yes. And, and, and like, uh, it doesn't matter who it is. You know, Connor McDavid, for, for all of my Canadian friends, Connor McDavid, arguably one of the greatest hockey players ever to live now. Wayne Gretzky is looking at him saying, this kid's going to shatter my records. Alexander Ovechkin is about to and would have shattered Wayne Gretzky's scoring title mm -hmm. if it weren't for a couple of lockouts. And he's still on pace to do it. The kid's only 36 years old. He's still got yes. four years yeah, left on his contract. Chance. And and he is going to outscore the great, literally the person who's called the great one, Wayne Gretzky, right? Oh. So it doesn't matter that somebody else has done it better than you. You are still doing it at some level. Mm -hmm. And there is somebody who isn't doing it at your level who would love to know your secrets. So if somebody has shown up to hear you speak, and this is the third key, the audience is on your side or they wouldn't show up. Even if you have been told that you right, your boss has come in and says, Chris, you have to give this presentation in the boardroom to your coworkers. Mm -hmm. Even in that scenario, they're still on your side. True. Because think of the last time you had to go to any meeting that your boss told you you had to go to. If you really didn't want to go. Don't you kind of have like a thing that you got to do? Even if you don't, you're like, I got this thing that I got to do and I can't, I can't make that meeting. Right. So you show up. And when you show up to that meeting, it's the same as, you know, a movie gets released mm -hmm. and it gets like one on Rotten Tomatoes or a Metacritic score. And like the audience reaction, like all of your friends are like, don't, don't even waste your time. Don't even waste your money. It's a horrible film. You won't even like it. But you're like, yeah, but I really kind of wanted to see it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so despite everybody's input, and despite everybody's telling you, mm -hmm. don't go see this movie, you buy the ticket. And when you sit down and that theater starts to darken and the curtains part and the music starts and the trailers are done, what are you hoping secretly, even though everybody's told you it's going to be horrible? What are you hoping secretly? You're like, well, it can't be that bad. Right. Come on. It's got to be at least a little good. good right? <laughs> right. And it's the same when when you are in any presentation. Your thought is not like the last time you were sitting in a boardroom. Did you think when somebody stood up, did you think to yourself? Man, I hope this sucks. <laughs> I, I hope this is is the worst presentation I've ever been to. I hope the speaker forgets everything that they're talking about. I hope they make absolutely no point. And I hope I come away with this with absolutely nothing. <laughs> no. You know, like people who are tuning into the glass half full are like, I really hope Chris brings on a good guest today. Yes. Right? Like they tuned yes. in here not thinking, man, I hope Tyler Foley sucks. <laughs> going, hey, I don't know who is this guy. He's got a book with a naked dude on the cover. Like, maybe this will be interesting, right? right? The, your audience is on your side. So those are the three keys to getting over stage fright initially. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more that goes into it and psychology and breath work and preparation, all of these things combined. But the first three keys are recognizing that you're not afraid of public speaking. You're afraid of public judgment. Yes, public judgment. Mm -hmm public judgment but the public isn't judging you we're very self-centered organisms like mm -hmm. i care about me and really only me mm -hmm. 
And so if I am in that audience, I'm already on your side. I want it to be good because otherwise it's a waste of my time. So I expect that you're going to be good. Hmm. I don't think you're going to suck. I think you're going to be great. And if you speak from the heart, if you tell your truth, your story, your way, nobody can refute it because nobody knows you better than you. Even if you're having to give last quarter's sales statistics, Mm -hmm. if you speak from what they mean to you, this is my interpretation of this information. This is how it impacts me. This is how I feel about it. And then turn it around to your audience and asking, how do you feel about it? That's, that's when you have a really good solid presentation and you don't need to be afraid of this imposter syndrome because nobody can refute how you feel about something. That's true. And that's really the key. Nice. I hope you listeners got that. If not, they can rewind it and take those notes down or go ahead on and get that book, The Power to Speak Naked, where they can go ahead on and get the fullness of what you're talking (laughs) about. So how do I discover my audience? Well, you know, it's funny because this is actually, you know, it's when I tell it to you, it's going to seem so simple, so easy. And there are two methods that I teach in all of my um, training courses. Mm hmm. And, you know, it's the big one, right? It's the big one that the audience comes and particularly when they're coming to my events, because usually they're paying, you know, $1,500 for a ticket for two and a half days. Wow. Like, you know, and this is, this to them is the secret sauce. This is what they want to know, right? Like, Hey, I'm going to put, so the big promises that we give uh, for the events are you're going to walk away knowing what your five powerful stories are, mm-hmm. how to connect them, how to use them to connect with your audience. And then you're going to find out who your audience is. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, great, because when I know who my avatar is, then I can, I can advertise to them. I can target them. We can, you know, we can do all this stuff. I can change lives. I can change. And you can, <laughs> but it's, it, it, I swear, I feel bad for my audience members when they do it, because the, like, we're about to discover your audience is about to discover this in like five seconds. And we appreciate you you for sharing it. (laughs) The first ideal audience for you, your ideal avatar, your ideal client is you Hmm. five to 10 years ago. Oh, okay. What were you struggling with? What were your successes? What tools did you have in your toolkit that helped you be where you were at that point? that you continue to use? What were the things that you needed to augment in that toolkit? What did you, what did you need to use to grow? Like what personal growth did you need to go through? What obstacles did you need to overcome? What were the adversities and challenges in your life? What was the support that you had? What additional support did you get to come to that? Who you were five to 10 years ago is who you need to speak to now because that is where you are in your zone of genius because you've already overcome all of those obstacles. Now you just have to speak to literally your younger self. Hey, younger self, hmm. when you were struggling with X, Y, Z, I empathize with you. I was there. I struggled with hmm. X, Y, Z. And this is what I had. And I tried this and this and this and this, and it didn't work. But I discovered this and this hmm. And I implemented this in my life and I saw this benefit. And then I implemented this in my life and I saw this benefit and I made this change. And suddenly now I'm here. And if you, my younger self, five, 10 years ago, want to get to where I am right now here in the present, this is how you do it. 
These are the steps that I took, and I think they will work for you. And you will notice that every really effective communicator, every top-notch coach, sales consultant, business mind, guru, that's the model that they follow. Mm -hmm. They're not telling you theoretical information. They're telling you, I researched this, I tried this, I did this. This is who I was back here. And this is where I go now. And if you identify with who I was back here, this is how I did it. And now I'm going to charge you money to learn how to do it the way that I did it. And, and that's, that's how you find your first ideal avatar. It's you five to 10 years ago. And, and one of the key points to that is you want to speak from scars, not wounds. And what I mean by that, your scars have healed over. Those are the lessons. You can point to the scars on your body and say, hey, let me tell you about how I got this. Yes. But it's healed over and now it's no longer an issue for me. Hmm. Where if you have an open wound that's still festering, that stuff is raw. You haven't healed from that. Don't speak about that. That is not a thing that you have overcome Mm -hmm. yet. That's a fresh wound, right? So you want to make sure that what you are speaking on is a thing that you have mastered. Even if it's only one thing, that one thing, again, speak to yourself five years ago because that that person who hasn't overcome that mm-hmm. needs to hear that message. Wow, that's great. That will give you your first flood of them. Hmm. And there's some other people, and I know because I was that person, right? Here, Are you ready? I'm speaking from experience now, speaking yes. to myself five mm-hmm. years ago. I thought I don't I haven't had any adversity. I haven't needed to overcome anything. So how can I speak to this great aha moment if I haven't even had an aha moment? Hmm. Fair point. Second avatar. Who comes to you the most for advice? And what advice are they asking for? And what advice do you give? Okay. That's your second avatar. So for me. The thing that people ask me the most is, how do you do it? And as we've already discussed, what they're asking is, how do you get up on stage and be so damn confident, so compelling, so engaging? And I had to go, well, this is this is the process. These are the steps that I took. This is kind of my internal process. Mm-hmm. And the people would be like, oh, that's great. Can you write it down? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm too busy to write it down. But I'll speak it out and you can hit, now you can have the book. Yes, right? yes. And, and that's all I did. I, I, and that avatar, and I got really specific on it. So the people who were typically coming to me asking about that, there were actually two subsets. The one, female entrepreneurs and charity directors, usually between 35 and 55, Mm -hmm. the charity directors, I understood perfectly. And usually the female entrepreneurs, their business had some form of social good component to it. Mm-hmm. So whatever their business was, was trying to give back to society. So while, even though it wasn't a charity, it still had a charitable component to it or a social cause tied to it. And that was why the business got underway. Okay. The second subset within that avatar was typically male CEOs or high level execs, not necessarily C suite, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, upper middle management and upper management who had been thrust into leadership positions because of their technical understanding of business Mm -hmm. who were then 
being required to lead these teams and speak uh, to these groups of people when they didn't themselves feel comfortable or a lot of them struggled with imposter syndrome because who am I to be leading these people? I was these people six months ago and now all of a sudden I'm their boss. I don't know how to talk to them. And so those two are very distinct subset avatars for me because they're the ones who come to me the most asking for advice. And the advice that I give them is almost almost always the same. So my advice to those groups is different. But if I'm targeting them as avatars, the stories and the language that I use to attract them to resonate with them is vastly different. Mm -hmm. Nice. So there you go. Two ways to figure out who your avatar is. Yeah. You know, I never thought about that of thinking about, you know, the past self um, and thinking about where you were five or 10 years and exactly the way that the things that brought you to where you are today. Um, definitely something you can really explain. And like you say about the wounds and the scars, it's true, mm -hmm. you know, being able to talk about things that you can talk about. Um, in my profession, I'm a voice teacher um, and a vocal coach. And um, lots of times people are coming in with other issues besides the voice. You know, as a teacher, sometimes you become the counselor and you become, you know, you're dealing with other things. And when it falls out and of what I can't do, I always suggest to go to a professional who is able to really help with that because it's not something that I might have experience in, you know. so. And Chris, just on that note, isn't it amazing how somebody's past trauma can directly influence their voice? Yes, it is huge. It is huge. It like is huge. The the constriction we hold in our body tightens every muscle, including our throat. Yes. And and it's amazing. As as somebody who is a professional speaker and somebody who coaches people to speak, I know because I bring in professional vocal coaches. Like when we run our big event, the last event that I ran here in Calgary, we had Roger Love come oh, nice. to help people with their voice. You know, and I mean this is this is a guy who has, you know, helped with the, you know, the coaching on uh, on the voice. He helped Bradley Cooper yeah, find his a, singing a voice name. for A Star Is Born. Yes, you know, like I, I, and I love working with Roger. He's just so much fun. But it's it's so critical because you can hear when people are, you know, and we all know it, right? You've you've had an emotional uh, trigger, and you're trying to, like, you know, somebody. I always think of somebody who's speaking at a funeral or a wedding. Mm -hmm. And they get that they get restricted and you can hear like people know when you're about to break down because you hear it in your voice. It starts to get squeaky. It gets a little tight. And then, uh, uh, can't <laughs> talk. Right. And it's and it's amazing. But what I'm always fascinated by is the hidden traumas like that. That's a, a, an obvious trigger. Right. Yes, in a is. wedding or a funeral, we know what the emotional charge behind it is. But it's the people who start. And they're, they're tight, especially for me when I'm doing my musicals. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm doing a I'm prepping to do the music man, uh, here in, uh, January oh, and we nice. have a two week run. Are you in the show? Or are you, you're just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh no, I'm, I'm playing mayor Shin. Oh, okay. Okay. You're, you're in. Yeah. It's going to be super fun. Yeah. But, um, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly hearing where people in just, just their general life. I'm like, you know, I, I know when there's something wrong and people are like, Whoa, are you psychic? And I'm like, no, I can hear how we tight your vocal cords yeah. are. Like you, you if you you got a pretty good diamond factory going down in that sphincter, I, you are tightly wound, my friend. Like drum, mm -hmm. drum tight. Like let's <laughs> something's going on. Let's see what. 
let's see what's going on here. And, and they're always amazed. I'm like, I can hear because I've been around people who speak as a profession for 35 years. I know when you're off your game mm -hmm. and I, it amazes me. And I'm glad that you, you recognize that, that because there's very few people who I can have this conversation with where I'm like, it's, yes. it's a thing, right? <laughs> and it has to be worked out because we hit this wall and we can't get past because there's this that we're dealing with. So sometimes it unlocks more than, you know, what is expected in a lesson. Sometimes people break down and they have to get out what they're dealing with or they want to talk about it. And then we can get through the lesson at some point, you know. And if not, sometimes it's just the talking about it was the lesson and they're feeling better yeah. after the end of it. So, yes, it's yeah. huge. Nice, 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 nice. Good luck with the music, man. I'm sure it'll be great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, it's going to be a really fun production. I, I actually am a last minute fill in the the original mayor that they had cast had to step away from the production. And they're like, you know, at this point, we're four weeks to curtain. And I stepped in two weeks ago and the director is a, is a good friend of mine. And she phoned me up in a panic. She's like, what are you doing in January? I'm like. I I actually taken two weeks off. Why? She's like, you don't have two weeks off. Now. She's like, we need can you. you come, can you come play Mayor Shin? I'm like, yeah, sure. That seems like a really good time. You When's know? the last time that like, you've had been in the musical? Uh, I I've never actually performed in Music Man. I had prepped for it. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, I was going to be in a production of it back in the late '90s. And so I had studied it, but I was going to play Professor Hill. Oh, okay. And so I'm familiar with the with the story. I'm familiar with the music, mm -hmm. um, but not with this particular role. So it kind of got thrust on me. I'm like, uh, so I don't get to sing Trouble? I was about to <laughs> like, say, that's the song, right? He was like, I don't get to do this. That's, that's my favorite <laughs> bit. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't get to do that, but you know, I get to sing Shapoopy and some other really fun songs and it'll nice. be good. Like I said, it'll be good. And it's, uh, it's one of those things that just kind of fell in and works with my schedule. And if it was any other time, I wouldn't have been able to do it because, uh, later in January, I'm, I'm actually gone. Uh, and all of February is written off. I'm uh, officiating a friend's wedding in Mexico. Wow. I'm at an event. Like I've just, I've got, I've yeah, got so busy. many things that are going on. You're busy, yeah, I'm, I'm a busy, I, like, it's funny because I was actually, um, at the hairstylist getting my haircut and he wanted to schedule me in for the next haircut. And he's like, do you know what? Uh, he's like, you know, how, when do you want to get your haircut? I'm like, Oh, six weeks from now would probably be the right time. Cause I kind of need to, you know, I'll be done the show and then I need to go on the road again and I want to be tidied up and clean. He's like, oh, do you know what your schedule is six weeks from now? <laughs> I looked at him I said, I know what my schedule is six months from now. <laughs> and it won't change much. So, Yeah, there it is, right? Nice, nice, yeah. nice. Before The Music Man, when was the last time you had performed in the musical? Um, uh, it was a brand new musical written by an incredible playwright and composer, um, Marin Burnham, who professionally, most people know her as Marin Ord. Uh, she had music that was on the show Felicity for a while. Okay. Um, uh, Juno nominated, which is the Canadian version of the Grammys. Okay. Uh, she's just a phenomenal, phenomenal 
a composer and she put together a production called um feather pen fairy tales which is a, a really nice kind of family friendly musical with seriously some of the best music i've ever heard in my life and then she uh, went while we were performing that show she was actually writing another show called the gardener and i've had the chance to workshop that over covid oh nice and that show oh man that that needs to find its audience that is and I'm I'm a Broadway geek. Like I've I've been I've studied musicals for 40 years, you know, and I've been in some of the some great musicals that I've been in, you know, from You were in Ragtime, uh, right? I was in Ragtime. God, I love Ragtime. I love it. I love and, it. You know, to this day, it breaks my heart that it came out the same year as The Lion King. Because The Lion King is great, but I think that Ragtime is better and Lion King won all the Tonys. But it's whatever, true. It was you know. just yeah, exactly. <laughs> it had the power of the mouse behind it. And what were you going to do? Right. It's true. It's um, true. But I mean, to this day, like I, when my daughter was born, um, I still sing Sarah Brown. Like it was her lullaby with Sarah Brown eyes. I would sing it Aww. to her at night. And I just, oh, I just love that musical. But I mean, I, mean, I was in that. I was in Carousel, nice. Damn Yankees, uh, My Fair Lady. Like I, I, you picked the musical, you know, Miss Saigon. I love Miss oh, Saigon. Oh, wow. That was the first musical I saw in my whole life. Miss Saigon. Isn't it phenomenal? So oh, amazing. I, just, I, I was moved. It is, it is easily in my, my top five. And then like, and, and even like when it comes to like Disney uh, shows, mm-hmm. I my favorite animated disney movie of all time is hunchback of notre yes, dame because yes, of the score on it. the opening number yeah. is everything for me when the, isn't it yes like it's one of my favorites just, too i just it that that musical makes my soul sing so with that in mind chris know mm-hmm. that i think this new musical that marinus penned mm-hmm. called the gardener is better than everything that i've just name dropped in the last five what? minutes combined okay this i'm gonna take it out. this I'm, you know what? I'm going to make sure that I share with you uh, the score when I'm able to. Okay, okay. Just so that you can hear some of the music. And the storyline behind it is so complex yet simple and so moving mm. and joy-filled and heart-wrenching all at the same time. Like wow. the, the characters in it are rich and so well written and so well explored and the music that supports that storyline is just uh, i like i mm. i it's stuck in my head now and i think that i've heard it from the radio and i haven't i just i know the these songs now because of all the workshopping that i've done with it but that's those are the last two projects that i was involved in um, in the last 24 months before wow. I got to the music man was Sounds those two originals. Exciting. Super, oh, super exciting. So I love when there's a, a great piece. I as well as, um, well, I shouldn't say retired. Well, I guess I could say retired cause I haven't Broadway singer. Um, and I same and being involved in some musical or work of art that you feel really touches your soul is powerful. It's like, it stains you. You know, you're just left with this idea of the magic that is presented. So that's awesome that you could be a part of that. And I would love to hear it if the well, opportunity and, focuses that I can. So please keep yeah, in mind. No, I like, <laughs> like oh, yeah, well, I'm just all I literally I'm going to email Marin and be like, I need to share 
couple of the tracks and she won't care. She'll be fine. Um, and specifically what I'll be sharing with you is a track called more time, mm. uh, which is phenomenal. And, and then, uh, well, what's the other one? Uh, take my hand, mm. take my hand is everything that Broadway loves. It's thematic. It's poppy. Mm. It's this. And the thing about Marin's composure and you will understand it when you hear it mm -hmm. she is like everything uh rogers and hammerstein mm -hmm. would want to be and sondheim <laughs> and then like all the modern day composers so like she has all this classical one. sensibility from like the 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 peak era like you know the 50s musicals mm -hmm. and then like modern scores things like uh, ragtime and, uh, e even, you know, Hamilton, mm. uh, like, like she, she's this perfect blend of it where, where it, it just, it feels so familiar because she's so good with both lyrics and score and composition and harmonies and wow. like everything. Oh God. I love, I love her music. And In what is her name again? Uh, Marin Burnham is what she is currently, but professionally she's Marin Ord, O-R-D. O-R-D. I'll have to check her out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're giving me good information over here. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my pleasure. And and honestly, I, it, the world needs to know her name again. Because she's, she's known as a pop artist. Oh, right? is so she? She had, again, right, like uh, late 90s, you know, Felicity was on TV I remember and the her show. song was on a whole bunch of episodes of Felicity. Okay. And it was kind of like this, this, the song of, of the, the season for, for that show. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, heyday and, and, and she got a lot of press from that ended up, uh, working with Randy Bachman from Brockman Turner overdrive. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she was taking care of business with him <laughs> and, uh, and writing some really good music and, and just kind of, uh, you know, drifted off the scene for a little bit because she wanted to focus on, uh, first of all, her family and then a little bit more of these creative pursuits where mm -hmm. it wasn't just pop songs and recording pop albums, um, but really uh, writing these musicals. And, and oh, mm -hmm. I, I'm so thankful that she took the time off, but it's so unfortunate that that kind of momentum that she built up in the late uh, 90s, early 2000s kind of dropped off because here we are 20 years later mm -hmm. and you know, she's got all of these incredible works and they just, they need to find their audience and I will do everything in my power to make sure that happens. Well, then I believe it will happen. Definitely. Definitely. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you for the details for sure. Well, I know you enjoy a good laugh and mm -hmm. that you are quite fun yourself. So I thought we could play a game. I love games. Let's do games. <laughs> I love a good game, too. Um, the game is called Would You Rather? So oh, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Um, actually, five questions. And mm -hmm. just give me your answer. What comes into your head about the choices that we have? Question number Excellent. one. Would you rather have two items of your choice or one person of your choice if you were lost in the woods? One person of my choice. Okay. Why? Uh, way better resource. Two heads are better than one. 
Uh, and although I could have the two like tools or whatever that I needed, uh, somebody else to a, keep you sane and b bounce ideas off of, uh, is way, way better. But if, you know, if I want to build a shelter, it's going to go three times as fast having one other person. And uh, yeah. So from a survivalist standpoint, I would definitely want to have one other person instead of two tools in my choice. Yeah, I agree too. Definitely. Two heads are definitely better than one. Nice. Question number two. Would you rather read minds or be able to communicate with people in their dreams? Communicate with people in their dreams. Oh, okay. Any special reason why? Yeah, people's thoughts are scary. I wouldn't want anybody to read my mind, and I certainly wouldn't (laughs) want to read somebody else's mind. Uh, I don't mind being a little bit of intuitive Mm -hmm. uh, and understanding and empathizing with people. But if I could uh, really, truly reach people in their soul, that that would be great. And I think being able to speak to them in their dreams would be the the key to that. So I would choose that. Yeah, it's a le- it's probably less noisy, for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've uh, seen what women want. It's terrifying. <laughs> we just say I'll hold back from that. I'll hold back. <laughs> uh, next question number three. I think I might know the answer to this one. Would you rather have movies or music as your only entertainment for the rest of your life? Music. Hmm. Yes, I yeah, would say this because same. I can see the I can see the movies in my head from what the music is playing. But if I if you stripped music away from me, uh, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I my wife and I actually have a rule in the house where I'm not allowed to sing before noon. Oh no! Are you kidding? <laughs> well, no, because my voice gets stuck in her head, and then she gets really, really mad. But everything to me is a song. Like you can't say a thing where I don't tie it back to a song, and I have a song playing. I have a soundtrack to my life that it just goes through. I love uh, th- that. That show, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, mm-hmm. uh, is is my life. Oh, wow. Like, I just, like, I, if, in my head, I think people should, in reality, break into song and dance, choreographed routines the way that they do in the movies. I don't know. It disappoints me that that's not reality. Well, it is in my reality. I mean, I live alone, so I do. I sing, I sing back <laughs> answers. I've been doing it since I was a child. Um, and yep. it's so normal that I don't realize that I've sung it back until people look at me like, what? And I'm like, oh, did I just sing that back? <laughs> like, <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Yeah, yeah, How yeah. Was I? <laughs> I love it. Was it good? I love did it. you like it? Yes. Yeah. Did we say, did you get it? How did, pitchy did was I? Was that <laughs> did I hit that right? Right. Did you know the tune? Yeah. Little something, something. So, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I agree. I just, just having a dance, I'm always dancing through. I always think like people yeah. must walk by my apartment feeling like, oh, he's having a party. And it's just me inside. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, For that's sure. me. Uh, next question. Would mm-hmm. you rather have a big head with a small body or a big body with a small head? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I wouldn't want either. But if I had to pick. Yeah, right. Mm, probably the small head. Oh, okay. With, with okay. the big body. Not because I particularly want a big body because I'm not really a big fan of big bodies, but I think like a big head would look like I think the one looks way more awkward than the other and I am too <laughs> vain to allow that to happen in my life. So I would think the lesser of the two evils would probably be the smaller head. 
which yeah, would because accentuate your large head, body. You're like walking around. It's heavy. So it's probably leaning you to the left and right. You probably not walking yeah. straight, you know. And, you know, people would look at you and be like, how does that frame support that head? Where if you have this massive body, they're like, oh, his head just looks small because he's swole. Yeah. You know? so, yeah <laughs> I like I would, that. I would, yes, I, yes. I would go with that. Oh, good yeah. answer. I would hate both. Yeah, right. Who would want either? Yeah. But yeah, they're out there. They're out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, next question. This is interesting. Would you rather lick the inside of a toilet or wash your hair with toilet water? Hmm. Oh, wash my hair with toilet water. Yeah, I'd take the, the toilet water too. Because if it's yeah, clean, I right? <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. It's actually, you know, again, so back to the survivalist, do we want to get, you know, two people or, or one person or two tools? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the toilet bowl itself is actually not as filthy as people think. The bottom of your shower has actually got more bacteria and germs in it than the inside of your toilet bowl. What? And the, yeah. True story. How Look do you know up. this, Tyler? Please enlighten because us. Because I am – so here's the thing. My <laughs> And again, my wife will tell you, I am a cesspool of random knowledge. Okay, uh, it doesn't okay. do me a lot of good a lot of time, but there are few times where I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's that's a thing. Um, wow. But yeah, because just – just the way that, you know, a toilet bowl, like everybody thinks like, you know, excrement, but you're flushing all that down. And, and if you maintain a toilet properly, like if you're like my uncle and you haven't cleaned your toilet in 18 months, mm. this probably doesn't apply. But if you maintain <laughs> regular cleaning habits and are cleaning your toilet every two to three weeks mm-hmm. or months, it, it, that the bowl, because you're constantly flushing water because it has constant water flow to it. Okay. Okay. And uh, it, it's actually not that bad i wouldn't lick the bowl because that's filthy Mm -hmm. and there's obviously going to be bacteria but the water itself to shampoo your hair was actually not entirely it's it's feels more disgusting than it actually is oh okay well look i mean well ideally in the shower the water is going down you know the water is running but it still would be dirtier just but because everything is it's settling concentrated into a single area and you're st- mm-hmm. and it's such a large surface area and okay. you're tracking all that bacteria in and then it's a, a wet it's a moist surface without mm-hmm. being a, a, a flushed surface ah, so okay. it's yeah it's Right. Like, you, like, think of like the last time you had to like scrub the bottom of the shower and you're like, what is this grime? How did it get here? <laughs> I go into the shower to get clean. So how is it that my feet are making this stain pattern here? Oh, this is disgusting. And mm. it's because of all that bacteria that just kind of sits in, and collects there like soap scum. And like you just think of all the things that are in the bottom of your shower <laughs> that just don't exist in your toilet bowl. You're welcome for this digression. I love that you know a little bit about everything. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I have a friend who <laughs> reads the dictionary in their free time, and he is the same. He knows a lot about a lot of information about all kinds of things. So nice. That was yeah. a good answer. Very explanatory. Definitely. Okay, I one more question. I always rationalize my answers. Yeah, hey, that's it. As long as you can back it up, we're down. Uh, mm-hmm. Last question. Would you rather go back in time to meet Muhammad Ali or Joan of Arc? Joan of Arc. Ooh, okay. What would you what, what would you say? What would you do to meet Joan of Arc? What would you tell her? 
Oh, I wouldn't tell her a thing. That is, that is meeting somebody like that is not a tell the thing. I wouldn't tell Joan of Arc a thing. I would ask a lot of questions. Okay. Okay. Sorry. uh, And I would just sit and absorb everything from her. How does she feel about her position? Hmm. Does she think of herself as a leader? Does she think of her? Well, you know, and you wouldn't be able to say, do you think of yourself as a martyr? Because I'm assuming I'm talking to her while she's still alive. <laughs> yeah, she's still alive. Uh, you couldn't but, say that. Hey, Joan, heads up. This doesn't end well for you. But don't worry. You'll have a great reputation. Right. Um, you know, what, what, how did she feel about growing up in a, as a rural farm girl? Because hmm. that's how she started. And I, I would be fascinated by that because I myself grew up on a farm. And I, you know, and. I would just be fascinated to know particularly in that day and age, mm-hmm. um, to be a female of power. You know, I grew up around strong women. Me My too. mom is an incredible role model to me because of what she had to sacrifice yes. for me and my sister and, and how she did it with grace and with ease. Yes. And she made it look effortless. Mm-hmm. My aunt Terry is an incredibly, uh, gifted and strong woman herself. My mom, in order to provide the best life for me and my sister, leased out rooms in our house. So at one point I had eight women in the house wow. with me and, you know, like, and they were all incredible women. I, there was a, uh, one was a radio DJ. One was a security guard, wow. um, a couple of teachers, like we musicians. Um, just, I, I, I'm, I would, I always want to know where women particularly like Joan of Arc, like that is a very patriarchal society that she was in very mm-hmm. male dominated. Yes. You know, how, how did you find the strength to do that? And, uh, and do you know the legacy that you're going to leave? Yes. And do you understand the gravity of what you're doing, what you're doing for the French people? Mm. What, like, oh, just for so many reasons, Joan of Arc. Not that Muhammad Ali is is not a a, a great figure. No, I get uh, it. I get it. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like I'm not a pugilist, and I'm not really. I, I'm definitely a lover, not a fighter. So yeah, hey, good. I'm glad that you can hit people in the face and make a lot of money doing it. Um, <laughs> tell me how that pans out for you in in 30 years. Exactly. You know? Okay. For sure. Yeah. No, that's a great answer. And I grew up in a single parent at home. My mom is one of those strong, she's a strong black woman. And yeah, I, the the might and the wisdom and all that I have learned, I'm amazed with my grandmother and my great aunts, all of them being so powerful and maybe not the highest educated because they weren't able to finish school, my grandmother and my great aunt but still so smart and so wise, so strong, so capable. So awesome. Yeah. Great answer. Great yeah. Answer. I, I, I love, I love hearing of a great matriarch yes. that, that brings me joy. Yes. Me too. Me too. Nice. Thanks for playing the game with me. That was fun. Well, I was, I was so happy to get to do it. Those are my favorite. <laughs> I love, I love theoreticals like that. Yeah. They can go any kind of way, right? It can go any kind yeah. of way. Uh, let me ask you, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, I want to be known as the father of Mackenzie Foley. <laughs> oh. And my daughter will be my legacy. Uh, like if, if somebody, you know, 100 years from now, somebody Googles my name mm-hmm. or whatever search engine we have 100 years from now, if we even have the Internet, you know, maybe somebody just thinks my name and it 
pops up in their Oculus glass that's been implanted inside of their eye. I don't know how it will work 100 years from now. Right. It's like going yeah. back and looking at sci-fi from from 2000 and they're projecting the year 2022 and there's like flying cars and we're in 2021 <laughs> right now going like, where the cars to see what the next nine months brings because I don't think it's that. <laughs> yeah, um, no, me either. But if if a historian looks back. And is doing research on my name, mm-hmm. I want the first thing that pops up is that I am the father of the famous for whatever she chooses, Mackenzie Foley, that she, uh, you know, she's changed the world. And I was lucky enough to be uh, one half of the equation that brought her here and raised her to be able to do what she did. Wow, that is so special. That is so special. How old is she? She's six right now. Oh, wow. She's going to take on the world, my friend. Wow. Well, with you as her dad, I'm sure that she can handle whatever's going to come for sure. I don't know your wife, but I'm sure she must be an amazing individual as well. So. Oh, she, she's incredible. Yeah, she's uh, uh, one of the smartest, most driven, most determined women I've ever met in my life. And I've just listed all of the great ones that have come before her that have inspired me. And she was the reason I, I never even thought I wanted to get married until I met my wife. Wow. Uh, I was going to be a perpetual bachelor. And then, I, then she's just, I have never met somebody who sees the world in such a clear and dynamic way. Like mm. she just, she sees the pieces and puts them together in uh, a combination that I will never understand. And I am always in awe of, and uh, yeah, no, well, I'm I'm definitely the weaker half of the parenting duo, and I'm happy to be it. I'm happy to be it because if 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 I'm the weaker half, my daughter has a bright future. Oh, listen to dad, spoken like a true dad, definitely. Nice, very nice. I quickly want to ask you about Tyler's Tuesday tips. Um, yes, tell us a little bit about that. Or sometimes it's Friday Foley fun facts. Um, depending, <laughs> <laughs> depending on the so, day they fall on. Yeah, well, so we've actually kind of lost the the uh, Foley's Friday fun facts just because it was it was getting to be uh, a lot of content, and mm. they it was it was you know what was the difference between a tip and a fact, you know? Yes. Um, so we've, we've concentrated on the on the Tyler Tuesday tips, mm-hmm. and uh, the Tuesday tips have actually moved from what was just kind of a general posting that I would put up on Instagram and Facebook out of my, my regular accounts. Mm -hmm. And we've actually migrated them into a private Facebook group. So it's a free Facebook group called endless stages, but anybody who is really enjoying the Tyler Tuesdays, and we had a really nice following for it can now come into the endless stages group and, uh, get, you know, tips on public speaking uh, confidence, presentations, just all, all things, basically, you know, a, a rehash of all the main critical points out of the book. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, things that I've learned through 35 years. And then it's it, the nice thing about the group is that it can now direct the content because okay. we have active discussions within the group. And so when I'm chiming in, I go, Oh, well, that's actually a thing that we can discuss on next Tyler's Tuesdays. And so I take 20 minutes each Tuesday Mm -hmm. and break down some topics. So like this upcoming Tuesday from a discussion that we had in the group, 
very quickly, uh, I was doing a Tyler Tuesday mm-hmm. this Tuesday. I know you're all surprised to hear that. <laughs> and and uh, the technology was not working uh, very well for me. Okay. And so what was supposed to be the live webcam, like I have a very nice professional HD camera because, again, I'm vain and a film professional. I have the good equipment. I was about to say, I'm sure you uh, have the best equipment. Was not working. And so it, it was the feed was coming off of the really bad laptop camera, mm-hmm. which is located close to my projection screen monitor. Uh, so when I'm oh. doing live training, um, I actually have a, a, basically the wall behind me mm-hmm. is uh, is my monitor. And so I can actually see the people in the Zoom room like they're actually in the room. It oh, feels awesome. more like a stadium for me. So And so the camera sits in front so that I'm looking at them in the camera, but I can see them behind the camera mm-hmm. and it really makes it quite nice. But the laptop that controls that sits behind what my camera setup is and where I'm situated and located. Mm-hmm. So we go live into Tyler's Tuesdays and everybody goes, well, because we were supposed to be training on uh, how to write your bio, like how what's the difference between a bio and a speaker introduction and how do you, you know, how do you change it up and all the rest of that fun mm-hmm. stuff. It was a really fun training. But again, this technical screw up had everybody looking at they, you know, got to see behind the wizard's curtain. <laughs> I was like, do not pay attention to the man behind the curtain. No, don't look. Right. And so I, I, they got to see everything and they're like, why do you have it set up like that? I'm like, oh, well, you know, and I very briefly for two minutes took them through my studio and nice. why it's set up the way that it is, why I have the sound baffling the way that I have it, where I have my mics placed, where I have the lights placed, why they're placed that way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and everybody's like, Oh, can you do that more? And so this upcoming Tyler Tuesday, guess what we're going to talk about behind the scenes, Tyler setup, how to do it, how to do it on a budget, how to make it happen. Why the pieces that are critical, the pieces that you can get away without, um, and what you want to add as you, as your budget increases for it. So that, you know, Tyler Tuesday tips, we do it every Tuesday. Um, three o'clock Eastern noon Pacific one o'clock mountain time. Mm-hmm. And for you, that's like the middle of the night. Yes. And, <laughs> and we, and we do it live. We've tried to do recordings of mm-hmm. it, but again, technology is not my friend over the last three weeks. So the last three weeks we've tried posting the recording and it just hasn't worked out, but I try to make it so that you don't have to come live, but the people who do come live, get their questions answered live. They have a little bit more interaction with me. And then we support the content throughout the week in the speaker group. So endless stages, if anybody wants to track it down, uh, the, that's with Michael Harris too, right? He's working with you. That is. Yes. Yes. And Michael is a genius. That man (laughs) is, uh, I, me and him met, I was speaking at an event with Les Brown, Mm -hmm. um, And Les was, uh, you know, he's been living with cancer for, I think, 20 years now. And he just, he wasn't feeling good that weekend. Mm -hmm. And so the promoter brought me in as an emergency backup, just in case Les couldn't finish the event, which in this case, he had to step away um, just because, just for, to, you know, preserve his health Mm -hmm. and, and good for him to recognize it. Yeah, that's smart. And so I filled in for him. And Michael happened to be in the audience um, 
at that event and he came and he spoke to me afterwards and we just we just hit it off and that man is a, a multiple two comma award winner uh from click funnels um he's uh, a yoga instructor he's young at heart mm-hmm. uh like me and him just oh we have such a good time and such an incredible rapport and he's such an incredible business mind mm-hmm. and strategist where i'm really on the creative side right mm-hmm. I can look at somebody and I'd be like stagecraft, 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 content, content, content. And I just blah. He <laughs> is the really nice counterbalance to me where he's like, and don't forget this. And he, he just, he brings such a unique gift to that group. And, and yes, I, he is, uh, one of my favorite human beings on the planet. And I'm so blessed to be able to work with him every day. Wow. What an awesome compliment. That's really nice. <laughs> Nice. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, if people do take a look at the endless stages now, then they will mm-hmm. s- see you and Michael. Definitely. Yes. Yes. And everybody else that's in the group. We have like, here's the thing. The nice thing is, is it's endless stages for uh, aspiring and professional speakers. And okay. we have exactly that. We have people who, who, who want, know they have a message, but they don't know how to get it out. Mm-hmm. And we have people who literally one of the members in the group outsold Tony Robbins at one of his own events. What? Like, <laughs> like, you know, like how cool is that? Now, you know, that we is have awesome. just such a diverse amount of experience within that group. And everybody is so supportive. And I just, I am so lucky to get to helm it. Because that's all I do. Like, you know, captain of a ship, he just points the vessel in the direction that it needs to go. It's really the crew that pilot that thing to from port to port and dock to dock. And for me, all I'm doing is is guiding content. Right. People ask the questions. I'm like, oh, hey, you know, and putting people in and connecting and making sure that the conversations flow the way the way that they need to. Um, to support the group so that everybody is learning and everybody's getting value out of it. And I'm just, I'm just blessed to be the pretty face on the front cover. <laughs> That's all I do. We all I need a pretty face on the front. Yes, yes. No, <laughs> definitely. That's awesome. The work is great. Really, really great. Um, when I was reading about it, I was really impressed. Um, once again, something else that you have put on another hat for, or changed the hat to a different direction. Um in the field of things that you're working on. Really nice. You had some great quotes um, listed up as well, and two of them really touched me. One was, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. And that was mm. Milton Berle. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then one more was, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Yes. And that one was really powerful because, you know, definitely there's a difference being with being comfortable and complacent. And sometimes we have to make sure that we are not mixing up the two, that we still are striving to do more. And sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable, but that's when really we're beginning to do the work. So really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of both those quotes. I, I, a lot of the stuff that I post when I, especially when I'm posting quotes are things that really resonate with me that strike me, uh, you know, and particularly getting outside the comfort zone because you know, especially like, cause I'm talking about speaking from stage and most people limit themselves saying that they don't want to, because they're afraid of getting, of stepping into that discomfort yes. to really shine. And it's a shame because the thing that the world 
needs to hear is very likely the thing that you're afraid to say. All right. Like, no. Holding on to those messages and not sharing your story is actually mm-hmm. a real disservice to society because you never know who needs to hear it or yes. whose life could be impacted by the knowledge that you have. And if you're afraid to share it, how can you make any kind of change? Yes. And you know, and so for me, it's it's one of the the critical factors. And again, why I think my wife is so incredible. Every three years, she's advancing her career by pushing her boundaries, by pushing her comfort zone, by stepping into new challenges and taking on uh, uh, new things. And 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 she, you know, she does it in such a graceful yet methodical way that it, it truly is like witnessing a caterpillar go to a butterfly over and over and over and over again. The beauty of it is awe-inspiring because she does it so effortlessly. And I know for her internally, she's in full panic. Like like, I just, I know, I know how she works, Mm -hmm. but to the outside world, she just makes stuff happen. Yes. And God, I'm proud of her for it. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, we can't see inside ourselves. You know, no one can see inside. My sister used to tell me when I was young, if you're afraid, no one can look inside you and see the fear. So just pretend on the outside. And that's enough to make it through until you feel the courage Mm -hmm. to be able to go through. And there have been many times as on the stage or dealing with a, a client or student that I feel fear, but... I just push through it. And yeah, like you're saying with your wife, sometimes I'm screaming on the inside, but on the outside, I still do what needs to be done and just trying to focus to try to give my best. And well, and that's the big misconception about courage. So many people think that courage is this lack of fear and it isn't. You mm-hmm. can't have courage without fear. All right, no. Courage is doing the thing, even though every fiber in your being is you're screaming no. at you not to. <laughs> yes. I am terrified to do this thing. And yet here I am going to do it hmm. and I'm going to do it and do it and do it. And I'm going to conquer it. And that's, that's where courage lies is not allowing the fear to control you. Yes. Because the, again, fear, what's that famous, that right? Fear is just false evidence appearing real. Hmm. Yes. It, it just, you know, it's, it's our own story. It's our own perception. It's our own lens of the world that we have become complacent or comfortable in believing that version of the story. Yes. Somehow we've believed it. Right. And I think, look at the the movie Maleficent, right? It's a retelling of Sleeping Beauty. Yes. And, And now, right, what's wrong with Maleficent being the hero? Why does she have to be the evil fairy that transforms into a, a, a fire breathing dragon? And why can't she be doing that for love instead of hate? Yes. Right? All mm-hmm. you have to do is is just tell the story from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is really true courage, is understanding that it's just a story. Yeah, that's... And you have the ability to change the script. Rewrite it. You don't like the story? Change it. It's powerful. Yes. Nice. One more question for you. I mm-hmm. like to close with this question to all of my guests. Is your glass half empty or half full? Always half full. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I strongly believe that, um, you know, there's an abundance in the world and I, I don't have anything that is depleting. 
you know, and it, it speaks to mindset too, right? If you're, True. if you're not in growth, you're in contraction. If you're in contraction, you're dying. And so I always want to be growing. So my glass is always half full. Yes. We love that. We love that. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Uh, just if they are enjoying the glass half full and everything that you're doing uh, on this show, Chris, uh, I would strongly encourage them to whatever platform they're listening to this or watching this, you know, uh, if they're, however, they're consuming your content mm-hmm. to reward you for putting it out there, because I know how difficult it is and to give you either a five-star review or a thumbs up or a comment or a like, or a share or whatever the platform provides, um, to let you know how you're doing and, and say what content is resonating with them so that you can provide more and more of that. So make this interactive. If you're enjoying what Chris is doing, you right now, you listening. Yes. You, (laughs) if you're enjoying the glass half full, please, please, please take a moment, hit pause. You're on your device right now. So just hit pause, leave a comment, leave a like, share it, give it a review do whatever you can to get the message out if this is resonating with you uh, so that other people can can learn from it as well. That's so awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, it's my joy, Chris. Can you tell everyone how they can reach you? Yeah. Best way to reach me if they don't go to the Endless Stages Facebook group or if they want to track it down and can't remember the name of it, uh, seantylerfoley.com is my website. Sean is spelled the proper Irish way, S-E-A-N-T-Y-L-E-R. F-O-L-E-Y.com. Tell them Tyler sent you. Um, <laughs> tell them Sean sent you. We'll all get confused. But, uh, you know, that's his story for another day. And uh, SeanTylerFoley.com. We have uh, uh, above the fold is a clickable link that'll get you signed up to get you over to Endless Stages. We also have a whole bunch of free downloads there, uh, support for anybody who wants to become a professional speaker or just wants to explore what speaking looks like. You, know, you don't have to be the next Tony Robbins. You don't have to want to be on the big, big stages. Maybe you just want to be more comfortable speaking in the boardroom or even having a conversation with a loved one or a spouse or not feel as awkward at dinner parties. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these are places where, where you could have and in, improve your public speaking skills. And uh, we want to make sure that we're serving everybody who does that. So pop on over to SeanTylerFoley.com. We can get resources for you in, in whatever capacity you need. And it's my pleasure to be able to serve in any way that I can. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Tyler, for being a guest on Glass Half Full. We're so glad you could take some time out to be with us today. Definitely. Happy to be here, Chris. Yeah, We'll talk to you soon. Yes, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. And thank you to all our listeners listening in to another episode of Glass Half Full, a podcast and a safe platform for everyone to share their life experiences. Once again, I'm your host, Chris Levins. Please subscribe, follow, and rate this podcast on Apple Music for more learning experiences. Until next time, know you are blessed. See ya!